everyone, and welcome to the Tulsa World Opinion video podcast. I'm Jenny Graham, Editorials Editor. I'm Bobby Set, Editorial Writer and Columnist. And we both watched the governor's debate last night, or public forum. I don't know, is it a debate? Because debate versus question and answer. What do you think? Well, let's just call it a debate, whatever. Debate, debating. We were at the, the Tulsa Press Club watching it with about, I don't know, about 50 other people. Yep. It was kind of an interesting crowd. But, um, you know, we're kind of heading, we've got a little more than a week left, week and a half left of the campaign season. Mm-hmm. Governor's obviously kind of top of the ticket, but we're, we've been meeting all kinds of people on down, but down the ballot. But for the governor, what was your takeaway from that debate? Wow. Well, it was it was interesting to watch it and then read people's reactions to it on Twitter. And I think that's, uh, you know, depending on who your audience is and stuff like that, you probably got a different spin on you know, who won or whoever like that. Yeah, I don't know if anyone wins. No, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like there's a scoreboard, right? No, I, I thought that, you know, just being frank in terms of styles and stuff like that i've always saw uh kevin stitt is he is the guy in the showroom he is the guy who is you know closing deals and stuff like that he's got a good pitch he's got a uh, a good way of communicating things like that he's a closer so i had i knew that in terms of like style and stuff like that you know, he would come across that way. And I thought in the beginning of the debate, he came off pretty strong, uh, kind of faded down the stretch a little bit. Right. With Joy Hoffmeister, her communication strength is retail politics, a stump speech, one-on-one type of stuff or small group type of stuff. The debate format isn't so much of her wheelhouse. So I thought there was probably some points she could have made early on that just didn't quite hit. But I thought she got stronger as it went on. She had some pretty good zingers in there toward the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in these things, I will tell you, I was a little let down that the first question was, <laughs> "Yeah, what are your side hobbies? I'm like, really? This is the this is only governor's about. debate? And the first question is, what do you do in your spare time? Um, but then I started thinking about all the stupid questions questions I've had to ask candidates in the past so so you know other other things that could have been what's your favorite fast food that could have been equally a good opener I'm gonna, one of those barbecue <laughs> I'm gonna guess that it's barbecue for stit and maybe a chicken Caesar salad with fruit at at Wendy's for for Joy Hoffmeister that's my guess maybe still in the barbecue <laughs> Or I've had to ask, I had to ask uh, governor candidates once who would play them in a movie. Mm. That was in the Mary Fallon, uh, Jerry asking, and I, these were not questions I wanted to ask. This was an editor assigned task. And Mary Fallon said Sandra Bullock would pe- play her. And Jerry Askin said that Meryl Streep would play her because she said Meryl Streep can play anybody. She was right. Jerry Askins would be correct. Meryl Streep could play anybody. So that I was a little disappointed that that, that the first question, I, I get it. You want to start nice and all that. But, um, you, you know, I just don't know if anyone's minds are changed by these. Do you think they are? 
I think for, I mean, anytime you're talking about these kind of elections, you're always, you're starting to pick at the margins if it's closer. And all the polls are telling us that the race is fairly close, um, depending on which poll you're looking at. But the majority of them show this, you know, within small single digits. So in that case, these debates, if they can win you a few thousand, it matters. The problem is, was accessibility. You know, most debates like this are broadcast on a, on a network television station. And this one was relegated to a live stream on Facebook through, you know, Channel 9 in Oklahoma City. So I don't know how many people actually watched this thing unless they were just kind of like going, yay, team, boo, bad guy. You know, so no, I don't know. And I don't really know if a lot of people are going to see what we saw and probably to your point more of an unspoken point is we didn't learn much new outside outside of the zinger question of the night asking people asking the candidates whether or not they had smoked marijuana and that time yep. we actually did learn a couple things yes. so yeah well was... for people who didn't watch it joy said no and kevin stitt said yes so there you and go. Look at that. But what's interesting, Joy, uh, because we are going to be voting on recreational marijuana in March, she said that she supported the measure. She supported the measure because right now we pretty much have de facto recreational yeah. marijuana anyway. I mean, anyone who's gotten a medical, if you want a medical marijuana card, you can get one. Yeah, you really can. I mean, it's crazy and we just have this whole patchwork so she's for it just because it's like that anyway we might as well be open about it regulate it tax it and be you know that and she also like she said she liked the uh the voter voters voting on it that back the initial petition um governor stitt who has smoked marijuana is against the measure citing what we have now is working basically you know we've got to strengthen some of the regulations that was my takeaway on that one, on that question. Yeah. Which, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of showing the juvenile side of myself there and a lot of other people like on Twitter anyway is not as many people were talking about the fact of what their positions were on that rather than, oh my gosh, the governor's admitted that at one time he had smoked some marijuana. I mean, okay, <laughs> but he's a Gen Xer, right? Yeah, they both I mean, are. Is this even a thing? It's like people coming out. It's like, are we still doing this? You know, is it still a question? You know, yeah, it's the, not like it was when Bill Clinton. I mean, he used to like president. take a campaign. Oh, he smoked pot. We, he's clearly. I'm like, what is that? It's, yeah, you know, nobody cares now. It's a but point it, of humor. I do. But when we have editorialized on the federal government, needs to change that. I mean, they're equating marijuana to like cocaine. I mean, clearly the federal, I think the federal government has always been out of step with this, not, not the state. But yeah, I mean, so that was interesting. We learned that, but it did, I think for, for the, these kind of things, if you were already going to vote for the governor, Stitt or Joy, you came away feeling good about that. Neither of them embarrassed themselves. Both of them seemed to handle, you know, the questions. They seemed to get their points in. Uh, pretty well. I mean, I don't think they lost any of their supporters is where I'm coming from. 
one small bit of stagecraft that I thought was very interesting. Um, again, it doesn't make a hill of beans of who is better or worse at being governor. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the very end, uh, Joy Hoffmeister had the last word and she stepped out behind, you know, stepped out from behind the lectern and just started talking like she was talking to an audience, you know, almost kind of almost Southern Baptist preacherish, coming out there with the microphone and just comfortably walking on the stage and getting away from the cage of the of the lectern. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know that that was definitely planned. And it sort of melted into or sort of dovetailed into what she is trying to get across is that, hey, you know, let's let's have a little real talk here. I want to work for the people. So, you know, standing out there, the, the stagecraft of it doesn't guarantee that's going to be that way. But I thought that was a very interesting uh, way to close it out and sort of steal the last scene of the debate. Yeah, I, I called it the, the Miss America moment where you walk <laughs> out. Yeah. And I was also in the, the juvenile part of me because I'm always like, <laughs> I was thinking like if it were, if I were Governor Stitt, I would be so tempted to do the Will Ferrell thing where like I'd go into the screen, like I just itch <laughs> my way in, like I would totally have ruined if I were the, if I were the, but he didn't. He was very professional. Well, do you remember in 2016? Her, her, her time, but I would have been very like, don't forget about me. I'd be in the corner. Do you, <laughs> you remember know? in 2016 where they had the kind of the, the the town hall style stuff, and they yes. were, you know, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were able to sort of wander the stage, and when she was yeah, out there, Donald Trump kept like following, just kind of her. following around and skulking <laughs> over her and stuff like that. I was like, I wonder. If we are going to uh, get into that right <laughs> now, so but yeah, that was kind of an interesting bit of optics. But you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, you had written what we we have both written for this this weekend is is election related because I think we're kind of in unlike maybe other normal people, we're sort of in this bubble of the campaigns and mm -hmm. sorting it out and trying to figure out truth, trying to figure out who's good for the job, you know, we dig into it a little bit more than maybe the average voter. But you had written, a, your column this weekend was intriguing to me because it it was something that Senator Langford came in to meet meet with us. And, and it was an inter, interesting talk. Senator Langford's always an interesting talk. Um, yeah. We find areas we agree on, we find areas we don't, but it's always, I always appreciate that time with him. Uh, just because, you know, it's, I appreciate time with all the, the, the candidates that, that come in. But he said that he, I'd asked him about January 6th because we have joked that someone is going to play him in a movie because Hollywood's going to do something on that January 6th insurrection. It's going to be reenacted. They're going to do mm -hmm. movies and TV shows. And because Senator Lankford was talking or speaking from the, on the floor of the Senate at the time, he's someone's going to have to play him, right? Yeah. And so we were asking him about January 6th. You know, he did change. He was arguing against, he claims he wasn't arguing against certification, that he was arguing for a delay of certification for unanswered questions. He did change that when they came back to, um, after the, you know, the, the riot. He, he changed his vote. But we, you know, in asking that, he said, no one ever asked him about that. That we were like the first people in 
eight months to have brought up his feelings about January 6th. You had a very interesting reaction to that in thinking about it. You didn't at the time, but I think that it's it's weighed on you. What what was your takeaway from that bit of knowledge that Oklahomans mm-hmm. aren't asking our senator about that? It kind of bothered me. And it didn't bother me that that's what his answer was. I mean, he's just the right. messenger, okay? You know, people aren't asking him about it. And he was answering a question. You know, people aren't asking me about it. Mm-hmm. It bothered me that nobody's asking about it. Exactly. It's like, you know, we're a year and a half removed from the most serious constitutional crisis in less than a, in a century and a half. Um, we saw people die in the Capitol. We saw, almost saw if the plans would have gone according to the planners' thoughts, a legitimate election overturned based on conspiracy theories and a desire to hang on to power no matter what. And that bothered me because it makes me feel that we're forgetting who we are as a country. So... You know, I've been able to go overseas a little bit, been able to talk to some people and, you know, ask them about where they live, what they think of their country, and they can ask the same of me. And something about our nation that's different from most of these places is we are not tied to a piece of land. We're not tied to a race. We're not tied to a language or anything like that, like a lot of other countries are. We're tied to an idea. And it is an idea that is basically a social contract that we trust in the law of the land, which in this case is the constitution, and that we have a a system and a precedence of a peaceful transfer of power from one elected official to the next, depending on who wins. But we've been hacking away at the trust in these systems to the point that I, I believe we're still in some kind of danger right now Um, Corey Jones wrote a story that appeared over the weekend that I found very interesting. Uh, Him and a lot of other reporters within the Lee Enterprises uh, family of newspapers were examining what a lot of officials in other states were, were doing in terms of election denial, you know, trying to move that whole narrative forward in terms of taking control of different states election periods and or election systems if we get to a point where we don't trust that our ballot matters anymore we've lost ourselves because all the ideals that we supposedly live up to that we are anchored in suddenly become extremely weak and just kind of brittle in our hands, then we become something else. And what that is, it's going to be less than what we are and what we've been, what we've grown accustomed to being. So yeah, that, that bothered me and it still bothers me. And I know that people might react saying, hey, look, January 6th, that was 2021. It worked out, you need to get over it. And I'm telling you, I can't really get over it because there are a, there is a not small minority of people in this country who also have not gotten over it, but in the other way. Right. I mean, I've I remember that day 
people that I grew up with that I know saying, I wish I was there. I'd be right there with them. I'm like, you would really attack the Capitol. You would really hang the vice president and murder Nancy Pelosi. I mean, that's what we were talking about. This was, and so, yeah, I'm there with you. And I think the gravity of the situation has lessened and it shouldn't, that we were that close to complete, you know, unraveling. And there is this, there's this sense that we, as, as journalists, as, as people who write about this, need to call that out more. And that's been difficult because we, you know, coming from the news side, I mean, we're in, in the opinion section editorial, but on the news reporters, it's always been, you get both sides, right? Mm-hmm. You give everyone ample, and they do. But when you have people who are not telling the truth, giving half you know, mischaracterizing information. I mean, that's sort of what we've been dealing with for the last, you know, five, six years. And when when a reporter goes to correct that, to say, no, this is the fact, then you're called biased. And that's really kind of changed the playbook, I think, in news and journalism, which is, you know, when you're trying to correct the record, it's not bias. It's It's just a fact. And it's when you can't agree on the facts, when you can't, have these shared shared understanding, it makes it makes our job harder. And it, you know, and, and you know, I personally think that for people who continue to push false narratives, push bad information, we have to call them out on that. We have to say these people continue to to say, you know, our democracy, you know, whatever that our elections are stolen or not safe. Um, you know, and there's there's a, a growing number of people that won't engage with their opponent. They won't engage with other constituents. And those, you know, those bother me. And that's what I wrote about a little bit for, for yeah. this week. Um, which was, and I started with the question of where are people getting their election news? Not news. I was wanting to know, uh, like, how are people decide, what news do they believe? What information? I should say, do they believe um, candidates? Is it mailers? Are they buying into what they're seeing on television? Are they reading newspapers? I mean, that was my question. And there's really not a lot of good information out about that. I mean, there's a lot of research or data on where people get news, whether they trust news, but not a lot on what are they basing their vote on. And so that's still to me sort of the, the question. You know, I those 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 marketing campaigns is what it is. I mean, it's propaganda. These campaigns, these mailers, the the dark money ads. I mean, they're all carefully curated to produce an image. Yeah. And if you don't meet a person in person, or see them interact with constituents, or in a debate, or in a public forum, then all you're getting is this very slick one-dimensional kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's to me, propaganda. I'm not going to believe that. That's just me being me. And so I I wrote a column about, you know, try to find, you know, get people in person. That's what, when we write an endorsement, we have spoken to these people. We have interviewed, you know, we've reached out to the to the opponents. We've reached, because you get a different sense of a person in person. I've completely changed my mind having ac- actually met a person, a candidate. 
that mm-hmm. what I saw online was not the person mm-hmm. that walked into that room. They weren't, they, a lot of times they're a lot more nuanced and complex and thoughtful that this, you know, image online and then their mailers just didn't add up. And I've had it the other way that someone I thought was really great and had it, a lot of came in and completely unprepared, only talking points, couldn't really engage in much beyond that. And so I, that, you know, I always try to tell people if there is a community meeting where your state lawmaker is at, go to it. If there's a debate, watch it. But, you know, I'm really growing leery of the people who want to represent us, but don't want to, uh, that won't meet their opponent on stage. Like that makes me really like wary of that. Like what's, can they not handle it? Do they not really want to engage with differing opinions? Yeah. Then there's a growing number of people who just won't talk to local media, which I know media is beat up on, but I mean, we're here with you. We're not the New York Times. We're going to your same churches and schools and, you know, but, you know, beating up on the media sounds good, but I mean, it's Tulsa. It's not, not LA, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I sort of say, you know, for those candidates, you know, try, try to find them, get, get their temperature, you know, shake their hand, ask them a question, see how they, see how they react. So that's sort of where I went to. I mean, now you've, you've interviewed, you've been there with me in a lot of these meetings. Have you mm-hmm. had your mind changed? Have you, you know, when you think of how you judge a person, how do you, what are you looking for? Not, yeah. not necessarily who's good or bad, but I mean, just how you measure a, a candidate for the job. Well, I think that anytime you meet someone face-to-face, it definitely changes the way you perceive them as a person. So when you read about a politician, when you see people talk about a politician on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, stuff like that, you know, you might be inclined to think that, you know, they're the bee's knees or they're the worst thing ever. And usually what you find is something in between. So we've had some candidates come in and then when we talk to them, it's just like, well, I see in their campaigning, you know, it's pretty partisan this and blah, blah, blah. But when you actually get into who they are as a person, it's like, this person can do this job. This person could offer a lot of very important insight on a pretty big issue that's coming up for us. And I've seen that in candidates that we've endorsed and candidates that we've chosen not to endorse. It's like, I, I've, we've talked about this before. We've seen a candidate. It's like, that guy would be an amazing county commissioner. He's running for the wrong office. This guy would be a really good corporation commissioner running for the wrong office because they're solid. You know, we wouldn't know that just by the surface level campaign noise that we see um i found that uh, when we've we've met with the governor twice this campaign season and it was different than i thought it would be um if if nothing else you know whether he wins or loses or anything like that one thing i know about governor stitt is he is kind of like i mentioned earlier in the podcast you want a guy to, to sell somebody on an idea, he's your dude. He can do it. He has a lot of energy. He has 
a way of speaking and communicating with people that works. Um, with Joy Hoffmeister, you know, I had I things that were coming into my head that you know people were saying about her as a candidate. So I was kind of having a certain level of expectations, and then she comes in, and I found somebody who is can talk at the entry level, but can also talk very in depth on a lot of different issues. So it's like, okay, you know, this is not a person who's just running for office because she doesn't like somebody. You got somebody with some ideas here. So yeah, for sure. And I don't know if it's changed my mind and who I've voted for yet, but that face-to-face -face interaction definitely does change things. And, and, you know, and a lot of the local, and, and we can do this because they're local candidates. Like mm -hmm. when you, they're out there knocking doors, you know, let's ask them, even if you don't think you like the person, tell them, say, you know, you made this, you sponsored this bill and it was crazy. I didn't like it. Here's why. They'll, they'll engage with you. I think sometimes, um, you know, finding, get, getting through areas of disagreement to get to a person is really where we need to go. And we're, and we're lucky that we can do that at the local level. I mean, at the national level, you know, no, I'm, you're not going to get the the president coming to your door. It's a different beast. But yeah. I think all, most of our lives are governed by our local lawmakers. If you don't know who your county commissioner is, know who your county commissioner is. That's You're going to hit a bridge in a pothole. You want to know who that county commissioner is to True fix that. it. You, you like our fairgrounds? or don't like our fairgrounds, that's who, who oversees that. So animal welfare, that's our city government. You don't like the stray dogs running around, that's your county commissioner or your city counselor. Mm -hmm. So, so much of our lives are at the state and local levels and so many people don't know them and yet they're so accessible. So, you know, I know that we're closer to it than most people, but you know, and a lot of people don't even, until they have a problem, they don't reach out. So this is a time I think that we can sort of kind of re-educate ourselves on civic matters mm -hmm. and realize that, you know, and, and you know what, everyone that's running for office, that's a hard job. I mean, they're giving yep. up, they're giving up their weekends and nights to knock doors and go to these things. So, you know, I, I always thank them. I mean, we need, I want people, I want every race, I wish every race had it, had two people running. It's not always the case, but, but go out, find these people, you know, educate yourself. You've got plenty of time. And that's sort of what I had suggested they do. But, mm -hmm. um, but in wrapping that up, uh, we do have about mm, a little over a week, but Bob handles the letters, to the editor, and this mm -hmm. is one of the candidates asked us about this once because this candidate noticed a lot of letters that were not in favor of him. And he's like, wait, what's going on there? And our response is, we can't publish letters we don't have. Mm -hmm. If you are backing someone and you see there's a lot of letters for the opponent, you can write a letter supporting your person. So um, Bob handles the letters. And how do you get it to you and all that stuff? When's the deadline for, we have one more, remind me, one more week. Um, so the deadline, well, the, well, let me put it to you like this. The last 
uh, letter or the last day that we're going to produce letters to the editor, publish letters to the editor that are campaign related is the Friday before the election. So that's going to be like the first Friday of November, whenever that is. That's November 4th. If you want your letter published, it has to be into our hot little hands the Wednesday before that Friday. November 2nd. Really, if you really are serious about getting your letter in, get it in now because they're going to start stacking up. People are going to start writing like crazy. And if you want your letter about these campaigns to be published, uh, don't get lost in the in the snowstorm of letters that we're going to get because it's going to happen. And if you send it too late, I can't help you. There's We have a cooling off period the weekend before the days before the election where we do not publish any campaign related letters. And that's just going to be the way it is. So if you want to uh, submit one to us, you can go to uh, TulsaWorld.com, go to the opinion section. There is a link to send, uh, to write up and send in a letter. Go ahead and do that. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, that is the easiest way because it's 250 words. And so it yep. counts it for you. And yes, you have to use your name. This isn't the wild west of the, the internet. Um, mm. You know, we hold ourselves to a higher standard than the comments on you know, Instagram. Yep. Uh, so, uh, but, but it is, a lot of people ask, you know, the letters sway this or we just, we, if the letter meets our standards, we publish it. Okay. But as Bob said, What'll happen is November 2nd, we'll end up with 30 letters for the campaign, campaign related letters. Well, we're only going to be able to publish maybe you know, 12 of those. So, so get them in early so we can have time to publish them. Yep. Get them in now. That right. way you're guaranteed, a, more guaranteed a spot than you otherwise would be. The later you wait, the less chance you're going to see uh, your letter published. Exactly. So, on that, um, I hope everyone has a good weekend. I know I'm looking forward to having a little break. Mm -hmm. And Bob's always going to do something fantastic and healthy. Yeah, so, maybe. Yeah, so anyway, we'll until next week, thank you, everyone. See ya.